Join Ian Garvey as we uncover the hidden marketing stories that shape our world. Reveal the latest marketing tactics that will shape the future and the amazing people that grow organizations, movements, and businesses. Learn to grow your business and shape the world around you. Welcome to the Garlic Marketing Show with Ian Garlic. And yes, it's Ian, not Ian. That's marketing too. All right. In this Garlic Marketing Show, we're going to talk about how one agency helped it decrease the cost per acquisition from over $1,700 to $150. And the one key way that they use help this insurance company to really hone their message, the one tool that I think is super important. Uh, we've got Marcus Cudd from SearchWorks. Marcus, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. And thank you all for joining us. Uh, don't forget, this is brought to you by videocasestory.com. One of the best ways uh, to improve your funnels, to improve all of your marketing is through customer stories, uh, not testimonials. Go to videocasestory.com to find out how we can increase your leads, your conversion, and your average client um, and <laughs> your average client value uh, today. Go to videocasestory.com to learn more. Let's get started. And so Marcus is, I mean, he's been doing this for a while. He's definitely educated. And that's why I love having people that are experts in the field have been doing it time and time again and don't sugarcoating the way things are. But Marcus, tell us about this insurance carrier and when you start working with them and how you developed a campaign that got this kind of success. Sure. Um, in about 2016, we were um, contacted by an agency that we had a partnership with that had a carrier that was interested in breaking into in and in a, making a big move and breaking into the producer market um, with their product. And they had some basic marketing going, some email marketing. They were doing shows and things like that. And um, it wasn't really breaking through the way they, they needed it to. So we sat down with them, did a consultation, worked through their numbers. I think one of the biggest things that stood out is, you know, really there because of not really having a big presence online, they weren't really sure necessarily how their numbers worked out from the standpoint of cost acquisition or understanding what their cost of acquisition should even be. So, you know, we sat down and we ran numbers to figure out what, what really would make sense for them. What were their goals as far as getting producers? The second thing we had to do was figure out the best way to get data to, to target for them. So, this was not an ideal market for search. The types of their target customer was not going to a search engine and looking to find that carrier for this particular product. They were looking at, you know, a lot of the industry sites. They were looking at reference material. They were looking at shows, things like that. So, you know, we set out to essentially build a data set that we needed to build. Um, because we had the limitation of client budget. So we could try to target all the producers across the country. Uh, unfortunately, that wouldn't make sense uh, from the standpoint of the budget that the client had. It was be taking a shotgun approach that really wasn't going to work that well. So we needed to get laser focused. So we used a combination of two types of data sets. Number one, understanding the professional profile and getting a data set of that professional profile and really making sure we had transparency on how that data was created. The second thing was looking at actual behavior. So identifying people within those data set, that data set that was actually in the market, and then being able to, once we made that identification, put them into step one of our funnel. 
you know, philosophically, we believe in a seven-step funnel, which is uh, essentially taking them through making them aware of our client, making sure everything that's out there about the client enhances the education, making the client or the customer a compelling offer, helping them get educated on the offer, what the offer means, and then coming back and tracking and retargeting that customer, making them the, the most compelling offer we can make, and then asking them to convert. The first visit is a very heavy ask. You don't want to necessarily beg for the the conversion on the first visit. I mean, that's largely driven by the client's own, I guess, their own aggressiveness in trying to get a solution to their problem. Generally speaking, they're they're doing research right off the bat. So you want to be part of that, that whole research process. Um, there's backend work that has to be done to being able to fill, fulfill that promise to them. So you can make a client, you can make a prospect aware of who you are in your offer. But if they go to research you online and they can't find much information about you, the doubt creeps in and do they really want to talk to you and who are you really and that kind of thing. So it's important to be working with the client on other types of organic content that can be found when someone goes to research your company. There's also the phenomena when somebody sees ads for your client that rather than click on the ad, they'll go to a search engine and type in your company name and try to find your company website. They, most people falsely believe they're not being tracked at that point. Uh, that, of course, is not the case, but ha- what the, it's the behavior, so you have to accommodate the behavior. So our goal is always to get that subsegment of our prospect audience into a, an education funnel to start. Um, that education funnel has to answer all the basic questions. Who are, who are we? What do we offer? Why should I care? You know, all that type of thing. And it's important that you answer those questions definitively for your prospect. Most prospects aren't necessarily going to take action right away. So you have to build the funnel to stay in front of them. A lot of people lament, well, we didn't get the name and email address or phone number. And that's fine with me mostly because retargeting has a hundred percent open rate. So, you know, if I get their email address and I email them, maybe 20% of those people open my next email, maybe 30%, 40% best case. But if I don't get their email address and I can retarget them, I can still talk to them um, using retargeting and retargeting is, you know, what I call our secret weapon. So retargeting, the, the problem I see most people have with retargeting is they don't understand how powerful it can be and they fail to really work on their creative on the retargeting side so if i use the benefit in an ad and i get somebody to click that ad and they come to my landing page and i haven't recited my benefit right off the bat i've probably lost my prospect already um, the reality is prospects need to be, need to have the, the benefit reconfirmed to them right away. However, sometimes we don't always get it right the first time. What's that primary benefit they're interested in? So, you know, we'll have other benefits, um, on the page, but they may or may not see them right away, particularly if they're scanning, um, their level of interest at the time, that type of thing. And the place to test that is in retargeting. So in retargeting, we can go and start talking to them about our other benefits, things that make us more compelling, 
And we find out what people actually click on. So if they're seeing different creative, different offers, uh, different benefits, suddenly you're able to hone in on what are the things that are making this prospect audience click. And so from that perspective, then we're looking at, all right, we need to optimize our landing page. And this is the process we went through with this client over the course of about six months to a year of optimizing all the creative, all the content. Now we were getting producer conversions, um, which is great, but we weren't necessarily getting them at the level that we wanted to get them at. It was certainly uh, within a couple of months, we were at ROI from the standpoint of the marketing budget and the producer conversions we were, we were getting, but we also felt like it was a small part of our funnel that was converting. But as we spent time adjusting our creative and spent time adjusting our landing pages, on our fourth iteration of our landing page, we really hit on the one that did the best job of pulling people through to our submission process. And in actuality, since that time, I think that was about 2017, mid-2017, when we landed on that landing page, um, here five years later, we still use the same landing page and it, and it still works. The, the beauty of the data set that we were able to hone in on is that we can refresh that data set to get new prospects in every few months. And so it, it does work pretty uh, consistently at this point. All we really do is update our ad creative. We, uh, our designer did a great job in creating a Photoshopped specialty image that represented the mindset of our customer. So, you know, we're big on trying to use customer imagery, what they already have. A lot of customers don't necessarily have that. So we, we dive into the stock world, but lots of times we're Photoshopping stock to look we're trying to align with our audience and our designer came up with an absolutely fantastic image that really uh, we think hooked producers is certainly when we used it in our ad. So we, we, when we make images, we'll put them in ads and we'll see what images get clicks. And um, this, this ad blew everything away um, from the standpoint of the imagery. And then once we put it on our landing page, we made some other changes to our landing page. It was just something that just stuck and became almost like uh, an iconic image of the brand from the standpoint of you know people knowing where they saw that image because it stood out so much. So um, we still use that image to this day. It still kind of has that same appeal. We've, uh, we've helped the client over the years get more sophisticated about their digital marketing. Um, we've helped them expand their budget. We assisted them with expanding to a consumer brand and helping them market that consumer brand they actually invested in bringing in a marketing person into their company who's who I lays with now consistently. So before where it was executives who didn't have a whole lot of time to talk about marketing, as long as it was working, they were fine. Now we get, uh, now we have somebody internally who is actually working just on marketing and that we can facilitate things faster. That company has really grown uh, since our initial initial involvement, well beyond what their original goals were. Nice, nice. That's amazing. Um, you know, and I, I, there's so much to unpack there. I think the biggest things you talked about is retargeting because I think I see that all the time. Either companies aren't using it or barely using it. Mm -hmm. I love how you're using it to hone in that messaging. What types of you know? Do you have any other hints or, or uh, tactics that you guys use in retargeting, or is it just constantly just testing? Well, you know, for the most part, I think it's overwhelmingly testing. 
but testing is at the core of all the other stuff we're doing as well. So to me, retargeting is continuing a conversation with somebody who hasn't yet trusted you enough to give you contact info. And, um, it, you know, I, I, I look at retargeting, but I was going to send somebody an email. What would I want to tell them? What's, and then you got to parse it down to what's the most important thing I have to tell them. That's what people want. They want the bottom line. And retargeting forces you to get to the bottom line and they force you to uh, put it in such a way that people can consume it easily and then they can react to it. And it forces you to sit with the client and force the client to get really specific about what their offer is and to get really specific about why someone should do business with them rather than this kind of, well, we have great service. Well, it's got to be more than that, right? And, you know, if, if you offer a lower price, 10% is not going to make a difference to people, right? So we, whatever your compelling offer is, we have to be very upfront about it and we have to be right to the point with it and retargeting because you only have so much room to talk to somebody on an ad. You've, you've got to go through that process and really, really hone it in and you get much better at messaging that way. Love it. Love it. And so in the end, now, what is their cost per, it's cost per acquisition, right? Because they're actually yeah. becoming a producer. Right. So when we originally started working with them, somewhere between $1,500 and $1,700 per submission, and now it's under $150. Wow, that's amazing. And, you know, and definitely hasn't gotten less competitive since then. <laughs> no, not at all. In fact, the one thing um, a couple of months ago near the beginning of the year when we were talking about the yearly plan, they remarked that they couldn't believe how many more companies had jumped into the space and, you know, how they had to work to kind of continue to stay ahead and stay cutting edge in the market. Uh, you know, the one of the great things about that campaign is we won an IMCA award for it uh, in 2020. And the client has, I would say it's became, the, it's become certainly a basis of trust for the client to, to come to us with each of their problems and say, okay, here's the next thing we want to do. They're, they probably wouldn't be expanding if this campaign hadn't worked uh, the way we thought. And they expanded into a, a very difficult market and um, have started having success there too. So uh, it really builds a successful relationship. Love it. That's amazing. Well, Marcus, this is a great story. Um, so tell us a little bit more about working with SearchWorks. You work with yeah. insurance companies and also higher ed. Yeah, we, uh, we have clients in the higher ed space across um, graduate level programs, adult education, and undergrad. So we've done the gamut. Um, uh, we, again, a funnel focus. So we know um, this is a big ticket purchase. We know people take some time to make that purchase. We know there's multiple touch points. Um, we've learned uh, what are the conversion factors across those different levels of education. So undergrads have one type of, they have conversion factors that are different, very different from graduate students. And you have to be able to tap into that when you're, when you're building conversion funnels. The great thing about our expertise with it is that we've been able to develop models that work along the lines of cost per enrollment. So we have a conversation with a client where we talk about what is their, the number of enrollments they're looking for in a program. And then we build our budget around a cost per enrollment uh, number. So we define what that number will be based on the number of enrollments they want. That's the budget 
And then there's some risk for us. We have to get them those enrollments for that number or less. If it goes over, we can't write, you know, we can't invoice the client. We take on the responsibility if uh, our enrollments go over that. And we understand the traffic venues that, that really get the right kinds of acquisitions. You can't market to demographics uh, in the education space. Um, so, you know, most of the networks don't allow that. So you have to be more creative in how you're going to get in front of the prospects you're looking for, the specific prospects you're looking for. Um, universities have their ideal prospects. A lot of those things are intangibles. You can't necessarily um, buy data sets on. So you have to find more creative ways to get in front of those people. Um, I've been surprised at some of the ways we've been able to actually attract customers um, that fit exactly within um, the enrollment models of what our clients are looking for. So, you know, we've, we've been excited about those types of discoveries. I think the limitations that you get from the ad networks on what you can and can't do in education force you to be more creative. Um, we have a great creative team and does a great job of adjusting to the ideas and concepts we're trying to attack. And it's worked really well for us. So we work directly. Most of the time now, we work directly with uh, clients and we have a very collaborative relationship with that client. So we do expect the client to participate in everything that we've got to build. And then when we do work with an agency, um, we, we try to uh, work with them, work with their strengths versus, and, and put them with our strengths. So um, if they feel they have a really creative team, you know, we'll, we'll work with them and their creative team. If they think they have a great copywriting team, then, you know, we'll work with them. We bring our subject matter expertise into every collaboration and, you know, we give our advice where we think it's appropriate. And then, you know, we optimize in the direction that we know things will work. Um, most agencies sometimes don't have the patience to go through the optimization process. Um, those are not the best partners for us. If uh, you think we need to hit a home run the day you launch a campaign, then we're not the right partner for you because that's rarely how it ever works. It improperly sets up the client with bad expectations and uh, you don't want to be in that situation. Yeah. And if, if, if you could hit it out of the park it, right off the bat with every campaign, well, then you should be charging lots and lots and lots of money or probably just right. running your own company. Selling right. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. Uh, that's awesome. And so just go to SearchWorks. Where's the best way, place to follow you? Where are you active on social? SearchWorks.com uh, is our website or social. We have Twitter. We have our LinkedIn, I think, are the best places. LinkedIn is the best place to find me. I feel like there's a lot of noise out there on social for the most yeah. part. But uh, we, have, we do have a social media team that's pretty active in our social space. Um, but if somebody wanted to reach me, my uh, most ideal place would be to reach me on LinkedIn. Um, send me a message on LinkedIn. I, connection requests and a message. Certainly I'm, I'm happy to meet and connect. Awesome. Awesome. So we'll put links, all that in the show notes, Marcus, thanks so much for being on the garlic marketing show and sharing your, that story of success. All right. Great. Thanks for having me. Thank you all for taking uh, Marcus and I on your journey. This has been I and garlic and the garlic marketing show video. You know, it'll make you an authority. You know, it will get you more leads, better leads that close faster and spend more with you. And video stories will help you be remembered and connect with those perfect clients. The problem is, where do you start? Storycruise.com is the place to go. It's like a film crew with an S. What's your strategy? Do you do it yourself? Do you hire a videographer? 
an agency? Do you need an editor? How do you know if they really know your business and how to make videos for business that work? The answer to all of this and more can be found at storycruise.com. It is the place to find the latest video marketing strategies, the best gear for your business, as well as videographers, editors, and agencies near you that are trained in video storytelling for business. Go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get special insider info for listeners of the Garlic Marketing Show, including special access to several of my courses, including my case story course. Go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get a whole bunch of special offers just for listeners of the Garlic Marketing Show. Whether you're looking for a videographer or to do it yourself, go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get started today. That's it for the Garlic Marketing Show. If you want to get the inside scoop and the latest techniques, make sure to follow Ian Garlic on Facebook.